It Never Rains is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Oregon football ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. GameTime really is simple and intuitive. Once you've found the sporting event, concert, or play you want to attend, simply click the listing and get your tickets using GameTime's easy two-step checkout system. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Stop. It never rains at Austin Stadium. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of It Never Rains podcast. Tyson Alger here, joined by Aaron Fentress. And Aaron, it's uh, it's late here in November. It's the last hurrah of the 2010s decade. And so we're going to bring you a little bit of a all-decade podcast because uh, we have a blitz running out here on The Athletic that's going to be covering just about every team, sports team's best of the decade. And so uh, we're here with the podcast, best of the decade, Aaron. Congratulations, Sounds we good. made it. <laughs> we, did. <laughs> we did. This will be fun. So uh, how do you want to do this? How, well, first of all, where were you on November of 2010? You know, let's 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 circle this back. Uh, just <clears throat> November about 10 of 2010, years. Uh, covering the, the Ducks. I got pulled off the Seahawks. That was Pete Carroll's first year. I got pulled off the Seahawks to help with Ducks coverage, to help John Hunt and Ken Go at the Big O. And uh, rode was, out the rest of that season. Yeah, that was. I remember. That was a I remember pre- fo- Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that's uh that's a pretty uh pretty big season to start of the decade there that that 2010 yeah. first uh, had, national championship appearance season. I had taken a few years off of the beat and came back in the beginning of that. I remember four games in, um, I was like, yeah, they're not gonna lose another game till the national title game. <laughs> it's like they were just they were just steamrolling fools, especially in the second half, running away. And so it was fun covering that. I did ha- I did pick Auburn to win the national title game, a close game. Um, but that was that was a pretty fun game to cover. Just the atmosphere was amazing. That was peak Oregon atmosphere. Like that was just like, and right. I remember the Oregonian. We sent a bazillion people there. Like we, I think I think the final tally was like we spent like over a hundred grand to cover that game. And I remember the publisher was pissed. Was like, now now I know. Now I know why I could never get a raise after I <laughs> exactly. got after I started. Yeah, yeah. And and I got there with Go and oh I think Go might have gotten there first and then I came a couple days later or whatever but I was there for five or six days but I remember every day I would leave my hotel room and go out to the media uh, stuff which was at the uh, that resort down there we always go to I can't remember what it's called and there would be someone else new from New Side like Steve Dean came down Jeff Manning I think Katie Muldoon like and they were all doing all these different weird angles uh, you know away from sports. And it all did well, obviously, with the readers. But I remember just thinking, "My God, how many people were sending to this thing?" But it, that was that was the single biggest sports story covered in the state of Oregon since the Blazers winning the Super Bowl. Excuse me, it's the Blazers winning the NBA title, and there hasn't been a bigger story covered since. I don't believe in terms of the way it was covered by the Oregonian because they they didn't oh, yeah. have as many resources for the other big games. In the 2014 national championship game. I don't think. I think we. I think we sent. I think we maybe sent one. like 10, 10. Yeah, I yeah. think we maybe sent like ten total for that one. Yeah. So um, anyway, 
It was crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we we could we could do another like five podcasts on uh, the all decade of uh, what's happened in the the media world over over the last ten years. But um, do you want to just jump right into uh, our our all decade teams here, or do you do you want to reflect on a couple like memorable games or, or moments from 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 the last last decade here? Uh, well, yeah. Let's do, let's do top top moments real quick. So no, moment as in like individual play or moment as in including the ending of a of a big win let's do, yeah, let's do biggest I, I, win biggest win and biggest moment how about that okay so biggest let's b- biggest moment that that's that's a that's a tough one because you you could make an argument for you know Oregon officially making the BCS title game for the first time you could make an argument for Marcus Mariota winning the Heisman trophy um it doesn't have to be a positive moment. You could make a you could make an argument for Mark Helfrich being fired, and, and that being I mean undoubtedly that was one of the biggest stories of of this decade in, in the sense that no Oregon coach had ever been fired in the last forty years, and it came uh, two years. He got screwed. From the <coughs> <time>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and uh, yeah. So I mean, it's 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 been an absolutely wild wild decade in terms of like the peaks and valleys of this program where, um, you know, I, I don't think where we've ended up here in, in 2019 is, is the path that many thought pe- the ducks would take coming off of that, like 2014 year where they had been to two national title games in a four year span. Yeah. I'm going to go with a tie, um, between just simply reaching that first national championship game and then Mario does Heisman because those two things yeah. had never been done before in the history of the program. And we've all heard, you know, uh, Jerry Allen's call of that game. I, I like that call. I like that. I know, yeah. I know people get on him because he got emotional, but this oh, is man, guy people can go to hell. Yeah. People can go to hell. Cause that, that, that represented his emotion perfectly represented every Oregon fan ever because that was something I, that was never supposed to happen. And, yep. and, and they had come like they got screwed in Oh one with that whole, when they didn't have a playoff system back then and they couldn't go to the national championship game, they would have got squished by Miami, but they still got screwed in Nebraska win. It was so stupid. Nebraska got destroyed by Colorado in the big 12 title game. That was ridiculous. Um, and then the, the 2005 team, was 10 and 1. A lot of people forget about this. They were 10 and 1 and ranked 5th in the nation. The only team they lost to was USC and then they lost in the bowl game basically cuz Kellen Clemens wasn't there. So that team was in the hunt, the 07 team was in the hunt. So to finally bust through like that and do what they did was just a monumental moment and nothing captured it better than Jerry Allen's call. And then of course the Heisman is the Heisman. So for me those are the two biggest yeah. moments uh, in Oregon Oregon football history, let alone the last 10 years and I give them a tie. Oh, completely, completely. Um, moving on to games I think there, if if we're talking regular season games, uh, there's one absolutely one, like significant one, and that's like the 2014 Michigan State game, um, which was just a, mm. an awesome. A, not only was it a great game, but just that that was in in my time on the speed that was like the peak Autzen environment. Game day was on campus. It was a mid afternoon game. The stadium was absolutely packed loud it was number seven versus number i think what was oregon like number two or three at that time it it was it was a top 10 game it was like the big test it was like the big test after all these studs from oregon decided to come back for the season like ifo and marcus and heronis um and you know it it had moments that you remember everyone remembers that marcus shovel pass to royce freeman everyone remembers that ifo interception 
Um, I, I think that was one of the most important games of the decade. And then just for like a straight up like zany one, uh, that 2015 game at Arizona State, the uh, the multiple overtime, the the Vernon Adams with his Houdini act, finding Dwayne Stanford in the end zone, Ugo or uh, uh, Arian Springs coming up with the game winning interception and in overtime like that was just that was the most bonkers game that I've covered this decade. I hear you. The thing about the Michigan State game, this is so classic Fentress, is that that Mariota play, like people were making such a big deal about that play. He missed a wide open. Re- he made a bad no, read. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He made a bad read one. And then two, had he just run the football, he would have gained way more yards than what he gained by flipping it to Royce. So uh, yeah, it was a great play amidst two bad mistakes but that's just that's just me being me and i remember helfrich or frost talked about that too i think helfrich talked about the misread i think frost talked about how he could have just run with it and gotten more yards but anyway it was a great play and that was a great comeback they had in that game so i'm not trying to diminish it completely but he did screw up twice on this alleged great play but anyway okay for me by far not even close without a doubt and i will debate this to the death and i have against blotty we had a, a panel a show on on uh, where I worked last time two years ago with Bilotti, Campbell, uh, Pelham, and Newman, and Jordan Kent. And I, I picked this, and they were like trying to argue with me until I convinced Pelham, though, because Pelham, Pelham hadn't thought about it the way I did. But the, by far the biggest win in the history of the program is the Rose Bowl over Florida State. Like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there's no debate about that. That you beat a defending national champion that hadn't lost in 23 games, that had a had had a Heisman Trophy winner on it, and a future number one pick. It was in the Rose Bowl, and it was a playoff game. That's six them. things I just yeah. named, and they beat the snot out of them. And it was against an all-time legacy program. Like that was yeah. just by far the biggest moment. Now, yet, and I remember, and. It, and that was also part of my argument that's the greatest team ever and the greatest season ever because of all those accomplishments and the Heisman. Bilotti was still trying to say no 2010 because he only lost the one game. And then actually he even said 2001 because that's how you finish. 2010 and 2014 teams finished with a loss, whereas the 2001 team finished with a win against Colorado in the Fistable. And I'm like, okay, that's a little self-serving because Bilotti coached 2001. But also, <laughs> Bilotti, and I remember saying this, you beat a team – in a game where you shouldn't have been in, you sh- everyone knows you should have been in the national title game. Had you gone to that game, you'd have gotten squished by Miami. I didn't say squished. So it's kind of unfair to hold it against the other two teams I lost against national champions. So anyway, we disagreed on that. But 2014, best season, best player ever, best win ever. It, it, I, I very like distinctly remember uh, during like those Rose Bowl media sessions in 2014, like you got the sense that the Florida State guys thought they were just going to knock Oregon around. You know, they kind of had that that walking around with swagger and all that. Yeah. And um, I, I actually, this. you know, we, we we just talked about moments here and, and, and that's that's um, a section that's going to be in the blitz. But I actually included the uh, the Jameis Winston fumble, Tony Washington <laughs> scoop and score as as one of the most memorable moments of the decade. Because oh, like yeah, because that, that ice like, like like. Like, like how many times have you, did you see that in, in the ensuing days? And then even, I mean, if you're on Twitter now, anytime Florida state pops up, like inevitably that, that gift pops up in the mentions, yeah. like that was, that was legitimately like just one of the most memorable plays that, that you're going to see in Oregon history. And then you had Jameis after the game saying, we beat ourselves. You all know it. <laughs> like, dude, yeah. you lost for like 70. No, nah, what was it? What was the final? 50, some, 59, 20, something like that? It, it, it was like, a lot to a little. And that was. I've never and heard that, anyone lose by 30 something and say, we beat ourselves. <laughs> it's like, well, you've spoken. Yeah, but now, you know, that. <laughs> 
that's that's Jameis for you. <laughs> oh my god, that was so funny. I do remember. There's, there's something else that sticks out about that game too. Uh, Devin Allen breaking or blowing out his knee, obviously. Yep. Efo yep. tearing up his knee before that game. Like those are just two heartbreaking situations. But Marcus threw the worst pass of his career that I I, I saw every single Mario game. He threw the worst pass of his career across the field. That it was like, what are you? I even tweeted that was stupid, and I felt bad tweeting it. But it was just so unlike him that it was stupid. And the guy and a, and a, a Florida State guy had a clear pick on it, just dropped it. Um, not that that would have changed the game, but I, I'll never forget that pass because that guy hardly ever, ever made the wrong decision, let alone a throw like that. And that one was so egregious. But man, they, they were just on fire. And those two, those two pump fake uh, quick screens, and then you hit the, uh, the clear out guy slash the guy who would normally block on the quick screen, Carrington, down the sideline because the safeties cheated up. They set that up the whole game. And I remember early in the game, they kept running these quick screens to the sideline, quick screens to the skyline. And I remember tweeting something like, they're setting something up. And then the second half, they pump fake that bad boy, and Carrington took off. And you can see Keenan Lowe throws his hands up for a touchdown before Carrington even catches yep, the pass. I remember that. Because yep. they, knew, they knew they were going to suck those fools up, and they did and they did it twice. <laughs> like, they did it twice, and Carrington scored both times. Uh, yeah, that was, that was a great day for the Ducks program. Uh, one other thing I remember from that game, that was that was like the Thomas Tyner game. Like, I think that was the game oh, that yeah. everyone, ev- everyone thought that, like, this was, this was going to be the guy – um, and actually as like, we kind of, he had 124 yards and two touchdowns in that game. Yep. And, you know, he, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think Thomas Tyner was a more talented player than Royce Freeman. I think just Freeman was more durable and I, I hate throwing out like the whole, like wanted it more, but you know, no, like, he definitely wanted it more. Yeah. You know, Tom, Tom, Thomas was kind of an eclectic personality. And I, I do think when he signed as, you know, that mega prospect from Aloha. A lot of people would have thought that he had a good chance of ending up on Oregon's 2010s all decade team, which, Oh, Hey, transition. Hey, transition. Um, Let's get into that. I, I, I put together some rankings uh, this uh, summer, which was kind of a bit of a, Hey, it's, uh, it's the middle of June and uh, I need to write something. So I know a a lot of, (laughs) a lot of us from the athletic kind of like started working on our all decades team, but uh, here in the splits, we have our, um, you know, I'm not going to call it official because I don't think we're giving out a medal or anything, but um, our kind of our best hack at um, the best players of of this decade for Oregon. And I, I will say like my, the, the one thing that I, the, the rule I kind of had when I was putting together this list, it was, um, I, I, for, for instance, like I don't have Jeff Mayo in my wide receivers because the bulk of his career came last decade. And obviously he had a fantastic 20, 2010 season. Uh, but I, I kind Ooh. of, yeah, I know we'll, we'll get into that, <laughs> but, but, but I, I sided more with guys who had like the brunt of their body of work happen in this decade as, as opposed to the 2009s and I mean the 20, the 2000s and obviously that kind of screws over some of the guys that were, you know, really good in that like 2008 through 2010 range or so. But that's, that's kind of how I went about putting together my rankings here. All right. Well, let's go with position by position, starting with you first, and then I'll agree or disagree. So quarterback, we have Jeff Lockie. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's unfair. I, I like Jeff. Okay, so I, th- I think we both have Marcus there. Um, well, so you know, oh, yeah, I tried on. so hard. I tried so hard. It's like, I can make this kicks for Darren Thomas. I know I can't. No, Marcus, clearly. I got Darren Thomas second, though. Yeah, I, I, I had Darren Thomas second this summer. I'm still sticking with that. If... If Herbert, if they end up, you know, doing something phenomenal here in the final, you know, month and a half here, I think Herbert could maybe squeeze his way in there. But Darren Thomas had two of probably the best seasons you could hope for, um, 
national title game appearance, Rose Bowl appearance. Uh, if, if you go back and look at his stats, which I think a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Darren Thomas was a game manager that like Darren Thomas put up some freaking stats. And I think he's one he of the most underrated touchdown passes. Exactly. I think he's one of the most <laughs> underrated players in Oregon history just because of the guy that came after him. Uh, but he, he was he was a, he was a stud for the Ducks. And he his his weakness was his passes didn't always look good. He was oftentimes inaccurate with his passes. They'd be a little high or a little behind the gun, a crossing route or whatever. But he hardly ever made mistakes. He made plays. So, yeah, it wasn't always pretty, but he made plays. And he carried them in that national title game. I mean, he did throw a couple picks, but he threw for 300 yards, I think, in that game. He kept them in it. Darren Thomas is extremely overrated. Under, excuse me, underrated. And I hate yeah. it when people bash on him. It's one thing to say, okay, he's no Mariota. But when people talk badly about him, I just want to smack him upside the head because that guy quarterbacked the, the best back-to-back seasons in, in program history. I, I think the thing that helped Thomas's Oregon legacy, not that it needed it, but was just like – there were a lot of people that thought Oregon could just pick any quarterback out of thin air and they would survive in that offensive system. And we obviously saw that wasn't the case the year after Marcus, especially after Vernon Adams went down and right. they were you know, going between Lockie and, and, and Taylor Alley. And yeah, it just doesn't work like that. Like, you know, I, I obviously we've seen that Darren Thomas doesn't have the best like post college career um potential but like he was very very good at what he did and and that's what Oregon needed at the time 100 percent all right so running backs on on this athletic one that we're doing we include two running backs but if it was just one uh, I'm gonna go with LaMichael James uh he had he was Oregon's all-time leading rusher before Royce Freeman but he did it in three seasons as opposed to four um, he was electric you covered much more of his career and this is nothing to take nothing away from Royce who was really good too but I, I think LaMichael was a cut above yeah LaMichael was special because he he was a smaller guy who who played often like a bigger guy I mean he would stick his nose in there he would fight for those tough yards he wouldn't shy away he'd never bounce anything out unless it was the right move like if he was only going to get three on the inside he'd take those three and try and make it four uh, he was very smart in, in his decision making and his, uh, his with his vision and of course he had the breakaway speed <clears throat> I think he's definitely a, a, a step above Royce I don't think it's really close. That's not to diminish, diminish Royce at all. Um, to me, it's sort of like almost a Mariota versus anyone else debate. Like you can pick any other great quarterback you want, Joey, Herbert, Darren Thomas, but compared to Marcus, it ain't close. And that's not demeaning them. It's just how great uh, Marcus and LaMichael were. And then I have a two running backs in my um, all-time team. And the second one, of course, is, is Royce Freeman, who was just a battering ram. I. I didn't get to see Kenyon run like he was he was a year before I, I or two years before I came around. Um, how would you compare yeah, he, like like how, how far off was he from those two? Yeah, he was he was a tick or so behind LaMichael. LaMichael just was a little bit more dynamic, I felt. Um, but Kenyon was right there and Kenyon was the second all time leading rusher. When he was done as a backup for three years, yeah, he, to yeah, he started. He started for one year, yeah, <laughs> right. And he went off that one year. So I just think Lamichael was just a little bit better, but Kenyon was right there. And clearly, I mean, Kenyon's been in the league ever since. I mean, he's he's carved out a nice career for himself. So Kenyon, I think, gets a little slighted because he only had that one big year. Uh, but I definitely don't think he was quite as good as Lamichael, and neither did Gary Campbell or Chip Kelly. That's why Lamichael was a starter. But I would still put Royce ahead of him, mainly because I don't think what Kenyon did that was similar to Lamichael, he did well enough to eclipse what Freeman gave you as a power back. 
Yeah, and I, I kind of almost look at it as like eras, and it's just like you had the LaMichael James era, and then, I mean, Royce Freeman was, was uh, right. four years of this decade of, of being one of the best running backs in the country. So yeah. um, moving on to wide receiver, do you have two or three? I went three receivers tied in, so I have two backs. So Okay, so I went um, – I think we had two receivers on here, which made it way harder what? than it needed. It, which made it way harder than it needed to be because I think I think Josh Huff is a clear, probably the clear best receiver of the decade. Are you are you with me on that? Uh, give me your three. We'll talk. Okay, so I I, ha- I had Josh. <laughs> I had Josh Huff. I had okay. Darren Carrington, and I had Dylan Mitchell. And Carrington, okay. and and I think I think the guy that I leave off there is Braylon Addison. Um, Carrington was a tough one because like Carrington's, I think Carrington was the best receiver of the decade for Oregon, but it was very much peaks and valleys and you had a suspension and then you had him getting kicked off the team. But like when, when that dude was at a hundred percent, especially like when, like with Vernon Adams, mm-hmm. I, I, I haven't seen anybody like him in, in my time here at Oregon. Yeah. I had a huge, uh, man crush on Darren Carrington's talent, but he blocked me on Twitter because I challenged him for his silly ass video he made. Oh hey, um, I'm blo- I'm blocked on Twitter <laughs> for him too for actually writing up the police report when he got kicked off the team. So, anyways, uh, anyway, okay, so <laughs> you you said Carrington, Huff, and and, and, Mitchell. and Dylan Mitchell, which okay. I don't think Mitchell I don't think Mitchell's career body of work lives up to them, but like. He he set the single season uh, receiving record for Oregon in the decade. Right. Like that's that's it. That, yeah. that was a, that was a tough one to leave off of. Okay, so I don't think you're wrong. I'm just more right. So here's no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. So, that's fair. <laughs> so okay, that, that's the nice, between... that's the nicest way you've ever said that to me in, in our time working together. I'm I'm growing. Yeah. <laughs> My wife always says, "Don't be so harsh." I'm not trying to be harsh, but you sound harsh. Okay, honey, I'll be nicer. All right. So Addison and Mitchell, interesting debate. I went with Addison because, and they both were second team all conference, right? One time, because right. Mitchell didn't get a first team. Mitchell had the one great year, but Addison had a, a better career. And that was even with missing the one year with a the knee injury. injury. Right. Yeah. So I kind of went with the better career, and they both were second team all league. And then Mitchell did have the one big year, but that in part was because the rest of the receiver Nobody else, was yeah. kind of, whereas Braylon played with better guys, including Carrington. Um, so that's splitting hairs there, but I went with Braylon. I definitely have Huff in there, but I could not give it as much as I loved Carrington. Carrington got booted off the team, and for me, and, and he missed the national suspended smoking the, pot, like, two and nights he got before sus- exactly. the national championship. Yeah. And so I couldn't give it to him, give it to him over Mayo, who yes, he only played that one year in the decade, but he's the only Oregon receiver in the decade to be first team all conference and so that for me tips the scale and i think he finished as the all-time leader in touchdown catches i think he still might be right and granted a lot of that was in the previous decade but that tipped the scales for for me so i I, so we agree on two of the three and i definitely was i was i was you know debating carrington and uh, mitchell they definitely would be four or five for me but i went with male addison and huff Okay, so moving on to tight end, uh, I have. I mean, Oregon had a pretty talented decade at tight end, and especially yeah. for some guys that that actually probably never hit their peak. You know, you could talk about like Colt Harrella, etc. Um, I have Farrell Brown here. Uh, he had two All League selections, and and one of them came after he had suffered just that absolutely gruesome uh, knee injury. Um, I I'm kind of a sucker for a comeback story, so maybe maybe that that clouded <laughs> my vision. But uh, I, I had him slightly over uh, David Paulson. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. Uh, twice first team all-conference, and of course that that 
to come back from that knee situation. The people thought he might lose his leg at first. Will he ever play again? And no, he comes back. And not only did he get a first-team all-conference, but he's still playing in the NFL. He started yeah. in the game for Cleveland. I covered Seattle at Cleveland. Uh, and then Paulson would be second. So we agree on that. Uh, give me your offensive line. Okay, offensive line. This is always tough to even try and calculate and figure out. But I went with five guys who were all first-team all-conference at some point during the decade. Clearly, Grosso was first-team three times. Uh, and then you had Ty- Tyrell Crosby, who was first team once, Tyler Johnstone, who was first team once and could have been first team twice had he not been injured, Jake Fisher, who was first team once, but we saw what kind of impact his injury had on the team in 2014. Uh, they had a better record with Jake Fish- Fisher than they did with Mariota that year. We all remember what happened when he got injured, yeah. So, <laughs> so and, then, uh, and then it was between, and then I went with uh, the only other offensive lineman that had a first team all league season was Jordan Holmes, first team in 2010. So I went with all first teamers Crosby, John Stone, uh, Grasso, Fisher, and Holmes. I, I like that a lot. I, I, I don't think uh, you'd have many issues with that offensive line. I, I have some recency bias in mind. Uh, I have, like you, I have Grasso and Fisher. I, I think you can make the argument that Fisher was the most important lineman of the decade because Oregon did not look like a even Pac-12 title team in 2014 when he was out uh, in those, what was it? He missed two games? It was Washington State. He and, missed uh, Washington State and Arizona. They gave up 12 sacks. In those two games, the previous year, they only give up 19 the entire season. And part of that, too, I mean, yes, I, you and I agree on Fisher in terms of the impact. But part of that was because when he went out, they had to go to Pearson, remember? Shift, right. The walk-on. Yeah. They had to flop Crosby. Or see, a, a walk-on and a true freshman starting as opposed to if, they, if Johnstone had been around or Andre Y, Eurythrygwenya, my best way of pronouncing that. If they had had one of those two to plug in, it wouldn't have been as devastating. But, yes, when he left, that, that really hurt them. Um, I have... Shane Lemieux and Throckmorton on there. Both were AP first teamers last year for the Pac-12. Um, and then I think my my wild card with that, uh, I put Penny Sewell on there just because I think I, I think at the end of the day he's probably going to be the best one of one of all of them in terms. I think he's going to be a first round pick next year. Um, yeah, but may, maybe I. Uh, Breaking news: He's leaving early. Breaking news: We have it here first. Dude, there's there's no way he does. <laughs> there's no way he doesn't leave after next season, but. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think the biggest thing for me with like a Lemieux and, and Throckmorton, you know, I don't think that necessarily that either of them are like the, um, the best individual players, but I mean, at this point they've made four straight years of starts together. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think this offensive line is as, as fantastic this year as, as a lot of us thought it was going to be, but it's, it's above average. And, and those guys have been, been steady players during a pretty, uh, kind of turbulent time at, at you know, switching from uh, offensive line coaches and a couple different head coaches. I, I like that consistency there, but um, I miss Heronis. Heronis was a Heronis was a fun interview, man. Yeah, Heronis was a cool cat. Um, defensive line. I think we we're going with a three four system here. Correct. Yep. Is is, is this the the system that uh, the Fentress Alger defensive defensive uh, <laughs> look is gonna? Uh, okay, so defensive line, I have DeForest Buckner, and if you don't, you probably shouldn't be listening to football podcasts. Um, I have Taylor <laughs> Hart. Yeah, I have Taylor Hart, and I have uh, Jalen Jelks. Ah, okay. So we only disagree on one. And now, are you? Did you count Jordan as a linebacker? I. Uh, yeah. Or do you not have him on there? No, I have him. Uh, where did I put him? 
Because he so was kind I, of the drop in. So he yeah, was so, so, so linebacker too. I, 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 I had him I had him on the line because in the postseason awards he was listed as a defense that's kind of like how I how I went with that was like where they showed up in, in the all conference selections. So actually Jordan is my just missed out um fourth guy on there, which I don't think Jalen Jelks was a better player than Deion Jordan, but if you look at the actual, you know, stats they put up, uh, Jelks was a more productive player over a better longer length of time. So, even though so Deion was a two time first time. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. So he so he's not on your teams at all, or he's just not on D line? He's on linebacker. No, not he's on not on it. He's not he's <gasps> not on it at all, which <sighs> yeah, I know. Wow. Okay. I have I went ahead and just put Jordan as a D lineman because I want to save some room for some other linebackers. I put him. I have him, Jelks, and Buckner on my D line. Jordan, two time first team All Conference. I couldn't leave him off. So, and then I have Hart as the fourth guy. If I want to put, I mean, if I were really running a team, I'd have Hart uh, as a D lineman, and then Jordan as an outside linebacker last drop in. I mean, we can you know mess around with what that what that guy actually is. But he had his hand in the ground so often. He was really kind of more of a true defensive end, outside end more so than a classic linebacker. Um, so that's just splitting hairs. But yeah, I went with Buckner, Jelks, and Jordan. Hart had 173 tackles in his career. That's that's a lot for that position. Um, yeah, and he was second and, team all year, all conference one year. Yeah, no, he was awesome. He was in the NFL he, for a few he, years too. Yeah, he he's kind of a name that kind of gets. Uh, I, I think because he came right before like the the Armstead Defoe. Um, right, and duo. he didn't have a he ton kinda, of sacks. Sacks are always yeah. sexy. Everyone measures defense lineman by sacks. He wasn't necessarily a sack guy, but he was a take up a bunch of blockers kind of guy. I, I I think there's a lot of people that uh, would just assume that Eric Armstead would be on there, and Eric Armstead's obviously a, a freak in nature. But if, his actual college production didn't really start happening until kind of late in his career. Um, he was injured a lot. Yeah, I mean he was he was really good 2014, even though he didn't have a lot of yep. sacks. He did a lot of good three four two gapping type stuff to help that team. He actually in that Arizona game he went out in that game. A lot of people forget that, and that that's Arizona's offense started picking up steam when Buckner when Armstead was out of there. And then of course we saw how the defense fell apart the next year. It wasn't just him being gone. Um, obviously the, the secondary was kind of in, in shambles too because you lost Hill, you lost Ifo, you lost uh, Dargan, but uh, he, that had a big big impact on the front seven when he was gone. So yeah, I agree with you. Armstead shouldn't be on here. Uh, linebacker, I have Troy Dye, I have Kiko Alonso, I have Michael Clay, and I have Justin Hollins. Ooh, okay. I don't disagree Line, with Linebacker's a tough one because there's so many of those dudes, and the fact that Oregon's changed up their defensive scheme over the years makes it a little tough, too. But, um, right. I, I, you know, I think, I think Troy Dye, there's still an outside chance that he ends up being the all-time leading tackler. I think he has to be on there. Um, Justin Hollins had two... At, fantastic 27 in 27 and 2018 he had 25 and a half tackles for a loss and 11 sacks over those two seasons that's pretty damn good and uh, uh michael clay uh 20 tackles in a game against stanford and go along with a, a couple uh with a all pack 12 not in 2012 so right. okay so i definitely have troy die on there i think that's a given i i had a tough okay the other one for sure, I, I went the same thing, same theory I went with Jeff Mayo. Casey Matthews, the oh, only yeah. linebacker, first team all conference uh, this decade that I could find, unless you would count Jordan as a linebacker, right. uh, which we, obviously you can. So Casey Matthews, first team all conference in 2010 on the national championship game team. So I have him in there. And then I wrestled with Kiko, Josh Cadu, and Clay because Cadu was first team all linebacker, all, all conference linebacker. Sorry. So Matthews, Cadu, and Dion, if you want to count Dion as a linebacker there. Um, but Kadu to me, like, 
uh, I just couldn't put him ahead of Clay because Clay had a better overall career, I believe, and was just a, a quarterback of that defense. And then Kiko was just like, <laughs> I'll never forget when Alioti said, basically with Kiko, it's see ball, get ball, or something, see ball, get ball, or just see ball, destroy ball, or something like that. Like, don't make it too complicated. Just have him make one simple read. Who's got the ball? Go get him. <laughs> he was just, he was a beast. So I went with Matthews, Die, Clay, and Kiko. Uh, one guy that I had like just off the list is uh, Joe Walker. Um, he kind of oh, pe- yeah. he, he, yeah. one guy that I didn't think like he's still playing in the league. Like he, he's he's put together a, a pretty yeah. solid career. He he won a Super he's Bowl with ring. the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, sir. So um, don't don't forget about Joe Walker here. All right, cornerbacks. This this is probably one of the toughest ones um, because the Ducks have had some awfully good cornerbacks here. I have uh, two guys that I don't think you can really argue a whole lot against. I have Efo and, and Cliff Harris. Efo and Cliff Harris. Um, yeah, I mean, Efo's a given. <clears throat> he was three times first team all conference. Yeah. He's the cor- he's the cornerback of the decade, huh? Right? Easily? Oh, yeah. I, I, he beat I, the decade. I, I, yeah. So I wrestled with Cliff and Troy Hill. And here's why I went with Hill. Because at the end of the day, John Neal did not trust Cliff Harris. Cliff Harris was a train wreck in coverage. That guy blew so many coverages because he just would freelance and do what he wanted to do. Now, he was a spectacular playmaker. There's no doubt about that. But, man, there were some trust issues with that guy. As I understood it, Chip Kelly had a far greater affinity for him than Neal did. Uh, because Cliff was such a wild card and so difficult to coach. So that's why I went with Troy Hill, who started a lot as a freshman, and then I think he was a four-year starter pretty much. I don't think he started every game as a freshman, but he started most of that dec- or most of the time he was in there, and he's still in the NFL. So I went with Efo and Troy Hill, and then also with a nod to Talmadge Jackson, yep. first team, all-conference 2010 for the national title team as my corners. I, I, I think Hill um, – yeah. I've said this a couple of times now, but I, I think Hill kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because, he, you know, Ifo is such a big name. But especially yeah. when uh, Ifo went down, you know, that uh, Troy Troy Hill kind of took it upon himself in, in that uh, Rose Bowl. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's had a good NFL career. Like, like he's yeah. he's played a lot. He's made himself a lot of money. Um, good, good for Troy Hill. And I, I still think the, the Ifo injury just sucked. Like that nice guy. Um, he was, I think he was the first player in history to be able to actual, actually, um, uh, cash in on that insurance policy because the, the ducks took out the insurance policies on, I believe it was Marcus Efo and maybe Heronis coming into that year. Um, obviously he made Arms- a Armstead too. Armstead. Obviously yeah. he made just a small fraction of, of what he would have ended up making in the NFL, which is, which sucks, but at, yeah. at least, at least they had that. And it was in practice during a non-contact drill. Yeah. Oh God. Anyway, uh, safety. I have John Boyette, and Ooh. I have Eric Dargan. Okay, uh, I have Dargan, but I went Eddie Pleasant. Yeah, that's Pleasant that's a good first one. team in 2011. But you can't go wrong with Boyette, who uh, was a three year starter. Was he two? He's at least two, but I think he, I think he might have been three, yeah, right? He and he fin- finishes his career with he had 278 tackles and 10 interceptions. That's yeah. That's productive. So he's he's my number three safety. So yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Pleasant and Dargan both uh, had some time in the NFL. I think Pleasant just finished his career. I think he got released for the final time last year, maybe. So he he put in he put in six or seven years in the league, 
as mostly a backup, but he got some starts. I think he played with the Texans most of the time. Um, so yeah, Dargan and Pleasant for me. Do you remember Dark. the? Do you remember the other two dudes, uh, Jackson and God? Who was his running mate on the 2012 team? Who was the other safety? My God, I'm getting old. On the 2012 Brian team, Jackson. Uh, yeah, the, the two smaller safeties. Dude, why am I forgetting this? Oregon Ducks. I'm gonna call this up. This now. is really good radio here. Um, this is, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, move, move on to special teams oh, while I find it. I, I actually, while you find that, I just want to bring up Eric Dar- Eric Dargan was uh, a part of, <laughs> I think, still one of my favorite plays I ever saw. It was uh, it was that Michigan State game in 2014. Dargan picked off uh, picked off the Michigan State quarterback and is running up the sidelines. And uh, there's uh, I think it was Dior Mathis was in front of him, and uh, Dior is just going like, "Come on, come on, come on." And uh, and Dargan ends up just getting absolutely wrecked by like a 340 pound. Yeah, but lineman. Oh my god! Wasn't that I've never. No, 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 no. That that that, no. that that was the that was the Michigan State game uh, okay, in 2014. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's right, boy, that's that was right. I, the fact <laughs> that Dargan got up from that hit and, and played the rest of the game was is one of the more incredible things I've ever seen because that lineman had a complete clear shot running at full speed and just clocked him. That's right. Mathis should have blocked him. Uh, okay, Avery Patterson. Oh, yeah, that's right. They that's had right, Brian right. Jackson, Avery Patterson. They were both kind of undersized safeties. But, man, they balled out. They balled out. They were good. They were really fun to watch. Smart guys. Um, all right. All right. Uh, special teams. Uh, I have D'Anthony Thomas as kick returner. I have two, uh, no? There's going to be two back there. You just have one? Okay. I, I have D'Anthony uh, and then Charles Nelson. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. Um, you could probably make a – I don't have the stats in right in front of me, but I imagine Braylon was pretty pretty solid in that as well. Yeah, um, uh, kicker kicker Aiden Schneider. Uh, yep. You know he's probably the best kicker in Oregon history, and as we've seen as of lately, um, don't take him for granted. Um, and punter, uh, we're gonna put put my guy Blake Maimon on there. He's uh, I, I think he's st- I think he's still uh, averaging. Uh, I think he's currently has the single season record for longest kick. I mean, long as um, average punt. And so, uh, you know, I know Ian, Elon Wheeler might put up an argument there, but uh, I'm a Maymoon guy all the way. I went with Jackson Rice just because I always loved that name. He was second team all conference in 2011. And of course, Aiden Snyder, because, you know, he went to Grand High School. He could have missed every field goal and I would have picked him because he went to Grand High School. So, oh, sorry. I had uh, for the other kicker. I had I had Cliff Harris as punt returner Um, in 2010. He averaged 8.18.8 yards per punt return, which is kind of ridiculous. And he had the huge Um, one against Cal that basically won that game for them. Yes, sir. If I remember correctly in 2010. So yeah, I'm with you on Cliff on the punt returner. I'll give him, I'll give him that. I won't put him at DB because I don't trust him. But he can return a punt for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was fun, man. You you were you were a lot nicer to me than I anticipated during that. You oh know, come I, you on. Know, we had. Take you suck. What well, are you well, talking no, about? Well, no, well, well, no. I was I was thinking coming in. I was like I was like shoot. Here's 22 opinions that I have to put out here. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one guy I have to mention, just to mention, Kenny Rowe, uh, 2010, second team all-conference, yep. uh, the pass rusher on that team. That was, he, w- he was on my bubble. Uh, that, that was cool, a cool dude and a very good player. But yeah, no, I, th- I thought we both, uh, we agreed on most things. I think you had a little bit more recency bias and I had a little more early bias, which makes sense because I covered the earlier teams and you've only covered the more recent teams. So that's, that's fair. We, I think we represented the decade very well. Good job. 
Yeah, man, that was fun. Um, now, coach of the decade. <laughs> yeah. Good. Oh man, that I, it's probably Chip. Yes. It's probably I, Chip. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it would be. I think it would be Chip. Definitely. Well, what was Chip's last year? Twenty twelve. So he got in twenty ten. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be Chip. Um, oh, it's gonna be Chip. It, God, I was about to do that, and I'm so glad that you did it, and so I didn't. And now we can use and now we can use that as a as a as a you know as 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 people are enjoying their Thanksgiving meals this week, they have to listen to that to, as a digestif. Oh, goofy, I'm goofy in the morning. Well, this was fun, man. I I yeah. I, I I like these sort of like nostalgia memory lane sort of things, and I I think. 20, the 2010s were a very good decade to be an Oregon fan. They were a very good decade to be a, a rider covering this team because mm. we all want polarization. You either want the best team in the world or you want a tire fire. And, and we got both at times <laughs> and uh, uh, plenty of storylines. And uh, if, if you want if you want more of these, uh, if, if you want to read my full story on, on the best of Oregon's 2010s, it will be up on The Athletic. Um, but I believe we're doing these across the entire site. So if you want to check out the Blazers, best of the decade or any other college football teams, um, yeah, just, a, a, this should be a really, um, really fun time to, to be an athletic subscriber. And, uh, we really appreciate everyone who reads and listens and, uh, have a great, great holiday this week. And we'll see how the next decade pans out. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs>